I heard something the other day that made me want to drill my eyeballs out. Mm -hmm. And you may think to yourself, okay. Father Anthony, why would you want to drill your eyeballs out? Because you heard something. And I would respond to that rhetorical question with this rhetorical answer, uh, which is, I don't know. I just was angry. I was just very angry about what I heard. Do you know what I heard, Father Harrison? Release the anger. Release the anger. It, it, I, it's, see me yeah. as, as Christ to you, taking on your taking on your wrath. Good. That's what this podcast is more just, and more becoming. Is just speaking of which. Before I get into what made me super angry, very early on in the podcast, um, I was. Uh, did, did you ever listen to the Lanky guys? They did like uh, a podcast yeah. where they would like talk about the scriptures for the coming week, and I would occasionally yeah. listen to them. I don't know. Did they disappear? Are they gone? I don't. No, I, I've, I've, I occasionally listen to, yeah. Yeah, so anyway, I don't know if they're, they're still alive or whatever. Uh, hope they're, hopefully they're doing great, but uh, uh, I was listening, and they made a vague reference to us on one of the podcasts, in right. which they referred to one of the priests as the angry priest, and I assumed that was me. Um, <laughs> that's how I was known to one of my brother priests, just, oh, there's, there's two priests, one that. of them is angry. This is, this is when we were just starting. Yeah, this was definitely within year when one. we were the talk of the town. Absolutely. Among this weird circle of, of Catholic media. Yes. Anywho. <laughs> Anyways. Yes. I'm so angry. angry priest. The angry Angry one. priest. Angry about what I heard. What I heard was the sound of my own voice, which... Is going to be shocking to many of our listeners. Um, I don't seem like someone who hates the sound of my own voice. I definitely talk a lot. Most of my job is talking. Most of my job is talking and reading. And you are Italian, wanna... so I mean, you yeah. have to talk. Absolutely. Uh, but I, I just, I was listening a little bit to our podcast last week, which I normally don't do, but I turned it on because I was, I was bored, and I could hear like myself breathing into the microphone. <sighs> Oh my gosh, I hated it. I got so mad. I immediately I mean, I do it too. I do like the deep breath like <gasps> No, no, no. Because no like, I got like, like like you're talking and there's just Does this Wait, 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 wait. This isn't your fault though. It's it's mostly not my fault. No, I, no, it's just not your fault. Well, yeah, it's that's true. We know whose fault it is. We know whose fault this is. Someone did next job. Ridiculous. See, I listened because I thought first because apparently last week was our two hundredth like episode. Oh yeah, that happened. We're talking about no idea. <laughs> what was it? Was it uh, uh, Taylor Schroll was like, you know, seeing that title? He's like twenty. He he said like something to the effect of like, I knew you guys would wouldn't even be aware of it or something like that. No, <laughs> it's very totally true. <laughs> we kind of just show up do our thing and and get back on with our priestly days which is uh all we can about do right now anyways uh but uh i was like that was really funny but i was listening because i thought maybe maybe nick maybe maybe because he loves us and he cares for us um that he might have just done something special so i listened for a bit too and and no no i no. was i was thoroughly disappointed it's and, a very so most of the time our our titles of the episode which producer nick comes up with they're very good uh, they he throws in something to kind of catch the eye and like basically our topics. So it's great, it's great. Um, but the titling it like the 200th episode, like we didn't even reference <laughs> the number 200. It was just not there at all. It's horribly misleading. I. It's just you know, episode 200. Somebody had an off day. I mean, with how busy our lives are right now, probably it's hard to even be on top like yeah it's just not, it's hard to be on top of that stuff 
Yeah. Um, but the point is that uh, I really just hate it. So if anyone else was like, what's that sound? Is somebody like breathing heavily into my ear or behind me in the car or something? I apologize for that. So you're really I'm not the angry to... one anymore. You're the breathing one. See, that's that's worse. I think that's worse. I think so, too. But I'm just listen. I just speak the truth. How many people in your life do you describe as the breathing one? That sounds well, horrifying. Right it's just one. Why is somebody why is somebody their their most noticeable quality the fact that they breathe? There's a lot that's unsaid in that idea. I don't like that. I'm gonna go back to being I'll just call you the Holy Spirit. Ah, yes. The 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 spy rating one, the yes. the breathing yes. one. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. See why, why kind yeah. of like wait, 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 wait. Yeah, are, do you hate the Trinity? That you that, hate that is a wild jump. That is an absurd <laughs> leap in logic there. I mean, listen, I learn from the best. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know who you're referencing. Um, but anyway, my apologies. I'm going to try to kind of like back away from the mic when I'm not talking just to make uh, Nick's life. It's the first time I've done that, I think, in 200 episodes. I was talking to Nick about it, and he's like, you've never done that before. I guess I must have just been resting my face against the microphone because I was sleepy or something. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> we'll try to make sure it doesn't happen again. Hey, uh, welcome to the 201st episode of Clerically Speaking. I'm Father Anthony. And I am Father Harrison. Uh, I, I won't speak too long. First is uh, on Sunday, on Gaudete Sunday. Gaudete, Gaudete, I've not heard that before. Really? It's one yeah. of my favorite... Gaudete jams. I didn't know there were Gaudete jams. There are. Oh, learn something new. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways, uh, on Sunday, actually, and someone who listens to the podcast, a person who listens to the podcast, who is now Catholic. So congratulations to Francis. So uh, Francis. Uh, oh, you, did... you welcomed him into the church. Yeah, yeah. Last Sunday. Yeah. Oh, cool. I get it now. Okay, right. good, good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, sorry. yes, yes. I perhaps wasn't clear. Very possibly, I wasn't clear. Um, so yeah, Francis, uh, she reached out about a year and a half ago, and so we'd meet every month or so. Uh, very well read, like doesn't need didn't, never never needed a whole lot of uh, catechesis or anything. Just you know, things you always have to work things out, etc. And uh, the the moment came where she was like, "Yeah, I think I'm ready for this." And so I said, "Okay, how about this Sunday or this particular Sunday, I should say?" And and I thought it's a good day to do it too. It's kind of it is a day of rejoicing. It's a day yeah, to, to celebrate. Like so it. it seems like, and you can receive Protestants whenever you want. They don't have to be received That's at Easter. That's true. And and she lives on a Gulf island, separate from my island. So like in a smaller island. Ah. And she makes the trek down. She takes a ferry over to to Vancouver Island, and then like it's like an hour to get to my parish every Sunday. Hmm. That's, That's amazing. A long time. Yeah. It's commitment. I actually mentioned that at, at just, Mass on purpose. Yeah. I said, yeah, she comes down from Denman Island every Sunday for Mass here. As a <laughs> little guilt everyone as else. A little hint, a little guilt. <laughs> just to say, oh, you can't make it for 10-minute drive because you just wanted to watch the football game? Grow up. No. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's not wrong. <laughs> I mean, right. It was a subtle – it was as – as you grow into your being a pastor, you, mm -hmm. you grow into the subtle forms of – of of incur guilting encouragement that sounds like it's a little bit like what my dad would do when i was younger mm -hmm. um we had a dishwasher 
But sometimes, you know, you don't got time to open up a dishwasher and put a dish in there. That's, oh my gosh. Uh, so just throw it in the sink. And uh, my dad would constantly remind us that the dishwasher was not broken. Not put your dishes in the dishwasher. It's like, dishwasher is not broken. And it's that kind of passive aggressive um, attitude that I like to bring to my ministry as well. So that's, the other thing, good. yeah, like the other thing actually I did this weekend, speaking of this uh, form of <laughs> being have a two father. Things. I had two things, actually, because I also put in a, a bulletin insert on the five precepts of the church that I wrote. <laughs> nice. And and not about Holy Days of Obligation. You know, that one you can only push so much anyways, really. You can't my, – my little thing was to say, just remember, you have to help provide for the material needs of the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was, my, that was my little way of saying it without having to say it just about that. So here's the other ones, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to help educate Catholics on these things. So anyways, but yeah, so Francis does listen to the podcast. Uh, she's a fan, and uh, so I know she's going to be happy to get, get a shout-out. And uh, her daughter is also in the process of desiring to become Catholic, but her daughter's not baptized, so has to kind of go through through a bit more. But again, it's a bit more of an informal process because they live on Denman Island, and I'm not making yeah, them come crazy. down to RCA and stuff like that. That's crazy. So that, that, sure. that's one thing. The other thing is just if uh, people are just kind of curious to get – because, you know, the one complaint we always get on this podcast is I don't mention Joseph Ratzinger enough. People have said that we are missing that particular pontiff's yeah. uh, and writings. Uh, our alarm's going off downstairs, so uh, I apologize. Oh, there it goes. It goes off now. I'm at the I'm at the office right now. Anyways, uh, so yeah, people complain a lot. Cool. That I don't... Wait, wait, wait! Time out. Do you need to check? Like, what's... no, no. My 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 parish coordinator's downstairs. Okay. Yeah, she'll take care of it. What if, um, what if it's like a Canadian gangster? What if it's like a Canadian, like a, a separatist Canadian terrorist organization that's trying to take over your parish? You mean a person from who is Quebecois? Yeah. Isn't that an actual thing? I mean, not anymore. I mean, there's yeah. there's separatism kind of thing, but it's, it's kind of died off. Okay. Well, you have to remember I'm, I'm that very most, most Canadians your... are pretty apathetic about yeah. politics. Anyways, uh, so, but you know, I listen, I, I've heard the cries that there's not enough about Ratzinger. So, mm. uh, and, and, and our friend Larry Chap has, has graciously, he graciously invited me onto his uh, YouTube show saying, listen, I, I know you, you don't get a lot of opportunity to talk about Ratzinger because that's all that Father Anthony ever talks about. And so you just yep. never get to mention him. So I it's want you to have that opportunity to finally. Uh, speak about rats here on your own terms. Uh, so, anyways, uh, tongue in cheek aside, I was on Larry Chap's show recently to talk about Ratzinger, his vision of politics. It kind of morphed into a discussion of Vatican II, as it often does with Larry. Uh, so, but if you're interested in that, go check out. Uh, you can probably just Google Larry Chap, Father Harrison, and you'll find it, or just Larry Chap. It'll be the most recent one this week on his uh, YouTube channel. So go check it out. Lots of good content on there. Lots of good interviews. So, and I'm also just I'm in the throes. I'm so happy you're taking the con the the, the topic this week because a hundred percent that if I was doing it this week, it would have been rats here only because I'm in the last throes of chapter one writing and I have overwritten way too much, which I kind of expected to do because it's it's not it's not condensed. Well, so that's what I'm doing for the rest of the week is just condensing and getting things in order, which I don't know how to do because you see 70 pages or 80 pages and you realize that you've doubled up on different parts and you're like, how do you even address this? How do you even keep this in order? And you're actually kind of clueless about it. That's kind of where I'm at, right? So I'm a bit despairing right now. So you I'm looking forward to you. Throw all those pages at your thesis director. Just like crunch them up into a big yeah, But ball. I want to keep them. Well, They're I mean, good. aren't you typing these out? Yeah. No, no, I so, want to keep the thesis directors. 
I'm saying you should take your thesis and crunch it into a big ball. This is how I think that's how they normally accept uh, chapters. And then you just like chuck it at their head. I think that's the way to go. And if they and if they don't block it, then it's then your chapter successfully defended. Exactly. Hmm. A good thesis defense is a thesis offense or something. <laughs> I don't know. Oh my God. There's like an XKCD comic. I'm ripping that off. I can't. Anyway. Let's just, let's just um, go. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, what's the thing we do? Theological emergencies. Thank you for calling Clerically Speaking. If this is truly a theological emergency, please dial one at any time. Hi, I flushed my goldfish down the toilet, and I wanted to know, is that a sin? Theological Emergency. We'll take your call at 412-912-7995. Hello, this is Anonymous from Anonymousville. Um, Here's my question. Should we, as Catholics, be praying for the resurrection of the dead in as much as somebody in my life passes away? Should I be praying for their resurrection? What's the pastoral guidance there? Thanks. Bye. Well, um, Riley Sharap, I mean, Anonymous, if that is your real name. Um, From, I mean, Pittsburgh, I mean, Anonymous. Yeah, it's definitely... I don't know why I'm thinking about producer Riley for some reason. Neither anyway, I mean, uh, that's a that's an interesting question. It'd be so, kind of crazy if it, it would be kind of crazy if it was her because she has been insistent that her voice will never be on the airways of this show. She it has been on our podcast one time. It was a brief few seconds on a bumper. Right. Which bumper was that that Nick did for us? But that was it. Other than that, she refuses to be an on-air personality. Yeah, she, she refuses like, to angry. provide any content. And, not, and and so if it was her, she would be doing this right now. And yeah. so she's really, in other, in other words, we won. If it, if, if it was if, her. If, if it, it were her. to be her who sent yeah, in this we, question. We win. We win. Um, also, very win. silly thing, if it was her, because, I mean, she's like. She has sister numbers. Yeah. yeah. She's, she's so it's probably not her. Probably Maybe. not producer Riley. Anywho, uh, the resurrection. So the resurrections. I mean, I don't think you actually have to pray for the resurrection in as much as it's gonna happen. You want to pray for the person's salvation because everyone's gonna get resurrected. Some people are just gonna be thrown body and soul into hell, just yeeted out there into the fiery furnace where there'll be wailing and grinding of teeth, and some people will be elevated oh so gently into the cloudy sky which is heaven obviously right father harrison yeah what are you doing over there you seem i'm I'm efforting a few things here because it's well yeah first i would i would say one thing um there's two forms of resurrection right resurrection unto life yes and uh, resurrection unto condemnation, which is basically what I just said so eloquently. Right. Yes, and I remember hearing that now, but I was definitely efforting something just in case. <laughs> um, so we do, but we have a tendency to yes uh, welcome them into paradise, but also that they might share in the resurrection of the body. 
So I think both are really an expression of the same thing, mm -hmm. because if one enters into eternal life with Christ, so like the soul, I, this is my own little theological thing that the soul is essentially grafted because we're in Christ's body as a church. We continue to be in his body, even as our soul is not like bodiless in a way then in, in that sense, because it's oh, in Christ's body. That's fun. Yes, because the soul cannot, uh, we're not ghosts. Correct. We're not ghosts. So, um, so I've always had that little sense of things. There is tradition to that idea. Uh, so if you're in Christ's body in that sense, then you're going to get the resurrection of the dead, uh, and you're and of the, the the living. You're going to have the the resurrection unto glory, uh, the the resurrected body uh, unto life. And so you're so by praying for that for them, you're also praying that they're in that state to receive that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so that makes sense. But we're not worried. There's not going to be some. At the at the culmination of all things, there's not going to be just some spirit people wandering around who haven't yeah. have, uh, like who don't the have John Travolta mean. It's like huh, yeah, just like looking around for their body, can't find it. So everyone's <laughs> gonna have a body. Some people, it's gonna be a source of 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 glory and of joy and of communion. And for some people, it's going to just add to the misery of hell. Yeah. So the uh, one little thing with that is, can we since we're on it? Yeah, go for it. Might as well just because then people like and listen. We have to always recognize we have limited data about this. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, our data is really Jesus. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Uh, anything beyond that, we're not too sure. So, Jesus has a resurrected body. It's fully physical, but it's spiritualized at the same time. So it's also able to not be confined to one place or space because it's now. Uh, it's entered into the glory of eternity, right? Um, it's 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 how he's able to be present to us in the variety of ways he is in the church, in the sacraments, etc. So that's our data point because people always say like, well, then how is the resurrection of the dead going to happen if, um, you know, we're all dust at that point? Like, how has God worked that? And this is where you get you have to get a little speculative, I think, because we really don't know how because. You, you can't observe it until it happens. And when it happens, um, history's over. Like it's, it's, it's all just different. Um, the one little thing I've always kind of thought about is because God's eternal, the body um, has this ability to be kind of captured from time at the end. Because God's eternal, he's always, the past is always present and future all at once in him. And so uh, the resurrection of the body kind of culminates and takes our whole life, including our bodily life, into that resurrected body. And so it has access to the body within history, I guess. It's a, it's a weirdly complicated way of saying it, I guess, but it's just... It's not like it's not, I guess for me it's not like this linear thing where whatever is around for the body at that point that that's how it's going to be raised. Um, but it's the culmination of history, so it all kind of comes together at once, and so your whole life comes together at once at the end of time. I don't know. I, I may not be making sense. I got distracted because the alarm company was calling my phone. <laughs> yeah, so because someone is attacking your rectory right now. I'm not in my office. rectory. I don't, I'm not. I'm not. My rectory's not at my church. I, I don't know how Canada works. The point is that there are people with, I guess, automatic 
assault snowball machine geese uh, i like mine better yeah. um but anyway so okay Anyways. so all right uh no 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 cuz i'm going to you talk to, and i'm going to talk um sorry that sounded rude i, I no no no, no go, go, go nuts clarify. go nuts i i, I just yeah. i i recognize i got off kiltered okay so you're right uh you're right about a lot of things of course but um oh my gosh let me take a sip of my bubbly water just why take a sip i'll just say and all what i was saying there's speculative it's not like day fee day right. or anything like that what we know and what we don't know so the church is kind of agnostic on a lot of end of time things as far as like the nuts and bolts because like you said we know what's going to happen how do things happen mm. and, and god god doesn't really give us a lot of information in general about how things happen uh as far as like the mechanics of it when mary asks the angel, how is this going to happen um, uh, at the Annunciation? God says the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. That's all she gets. And that's good enough for Mary. And there is an explanation in that. But what does that like mean as far as like genomes and DNA and stuff and spirit? And like, we don't know that. Also, we don't need to know that. So chill. Um, so some of that is going on with the resurrection. And even St. Paul is kind of agnostic about this when um, I forget where, where, where it is in one of his letters, but basically says um, that the body that's sown in corruption will be raised in glory or whatever. He's basically saying that like, okay, all the bad stuff about the body, that's gone. And all the good stuff of the body is going to be elevated. And to your point with the whole God and time thing, I think the, the, the thing that we can say for sure, which your speculation points to, is that the resurrected body will be our body. It's not like we're going to be yeah, implanted exactly. in a foreign body. Yeah. It's going to right. be truly it's like a speculative and essentially way of ours. Okay. If we wanted to give a, a slight attempt at what this might look like, right. this is one possibility based on a few factors, but it's not it's not in any way, shape, or form definitive. Right. So, be. I mean, and this, and, and part of the reason why we bury the dead and we don't scatter ashes, um, there's there's a few reasons, but one of them is because we believe the resurrected body will be our body, not some like transplanted body, not some body out of the sky, but somehow what is ours will be transformed, resurrected, raised up. God's not going to bring something um, foreign, nor is he going to let what was good go away. Um, now, how is that? happened um we don't know i like to think that especially for all the saints basically all the little little bones and stuff they're all just gonna zoom <laughs> through the sky vroom, 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 and all like come together like voltron and then that'll be our glorified body that's how Big. i pray with the image the yeah I, I mean i like thought voltron. similarly to be honest yeah because i mean that's i mean that's obviously how it's gonna happen um, well like so the early that. church martyrs like Man, I got it good. All my bones are in one place under that altar, and no one's yep. touching them. Like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm easy. They're going to be resurrected first, and the last people to be resurrected are these poor saints that are scattered over all of Christendom. They're going to be like a half second behind. So that's going to be embarrassing for them, um, but it's going to work out. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Hopefully um, we answered something in there. Well, yeah, just actually one more little quick thing on that is is – <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, why does the church not give us more? Because, and this is actually, I think, really important. Faith implies we can think, uh, it gives us the vision to think about things reasonably, but it it's only based on data that we have. So what does the church have? The church has the experience. 
the, the, the deposit of faith of Christ's resurrection from the dead. So that's largely how she understands the end of time based on Christ, because in a way his resurrection is the end of time, mm-hmm. right? It is, it is the eschaton, the immunitization of the eschaton. It is that and all this jazz. Um, but what its forms look like, 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 you know, it's not something you're not making some future predictions of this, that, because everything he says, this, this, these things will have to happen first. Well, they've been, ha- they happen in every generation. And that's kind of his point. Um, but the church can only think reasonably about things we can actually have sensible experience of. We've had sensible experiences of, of the resurrection of Christ, the church as a subject, but we have not had, so that's why we were able to say something about it, mm-hmm. but it's totalized form. We can't say anything because it hasn't happened yet. So you can't talk about things you haven't experienced. Right. And that's kind of essentially it. It's not saying that it doesn't know. It's just saying we can't know and we need to be okay with that. Yeah. We can only have a glimpse can't make up answers that she hasn't received from yeah. divine revelation. She's yeah. just a steward of the mysteries that she's been given. And exactly. we don't, also we don't have to know. And that's why I can have my fun idea of uh, the Voltron resurrection. And it's okay. As long as I don't preach it <laughs> as actual doctrine and just keep it yeah. as my own personal private uh, piety. It's, it's cool. Um, yeah. Good. All right. Uh, yeah, you know what, Harrison, this, this yeah. might be a very tricky subject. Yep, that's so fine. I'm just gonna we've jump into it. Yeah, we've got it's it, And if it's not Go tricky, on. if we solve it quickly, hey, then you're in charge. So. You're in charge. in charge. I am in charge. That's right. And I'm in charge of specifically presbyteral exhortations. And now it is time for presbyteral exhortations oh yes. yes quite good quite good indubitably <laughs> i bet they can't wait to learn, They're gonna learn so <laughs> it's my favorite part <laughs> it's the best part <laughs> yes yes quite yes quite. so father harrison one of the great joys of my ministry as a diocesan priest is what we met what you were mentioning earlier um, or referencing in a certain way is rcia now called ocia because we have to change things for reasons. <sighs> is, it, is it rooted in California? Is it like it's the OC? The OC. Um, no. um, it's like the order of initiation for blah, 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 blah. The point is RCIA or OCIA um, is basically the process, the classes, the rituals of bringing an unbaptized person, making them a baptized person. And a lot of times we throw in Protestants as well. It's how you become Catholic. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, last year was super fun. Really enjoyed it. Uh, and it's really cool to see the people in my class like at Mass on Sunday. And I always get, I'm always happy to see all my parishioners. I love them also very, very much. But I'm not going to lie. Uh, my favorite children are definitely the ones who have gone through RCIA. So I'm like, yay, you stayed. Look at you. You made the choice and you're here and it's so wonderful. And look, you get to receive the Eucharist. Isn't that great? You waited so long. And it makes me happy. Okay. Uh, this year, same deal. Uh, very much enjoying the class. But it's funny just how different the, di- the dynamics are. Mm-hmm. This class, way more talkative. Hmm. W- really asking a lot of questions, which I have invited them to do and I love. Mm-hmm. But it feels like at the end of every class, I am like dripping in sweat because I've been up against the wall and they are just 
I, it, there's a firing line of questions. <laughs> uh, my mind is going to like gifs and memes today. It's like that yes. uh, peel and uh, what is it? Uh, the the gif of him Key sweating. Key and peel, yeah. Mm. The the gif of him just sweating. Yes, that's me. <laughs> just drenched in sweat. Or airplane, if you want to use a different reference. Uh, point, and don't get me wrong. Like I, said, I love it, but it's like, and I, I have given them permission. So this mm-hmm. is my fault. Like whenever you want to ask a question about anything, just go for it. Because this is what class mm-hmm. is for. Like we we are going and using the Symbolon series, which is a nice little video series to help us out. Also helps me out. Um, but then we spend time asking questions. And like, what was it? Just the other day, um, we were supposed to do a an episode. Everything in my life is episodes. No, we're supposed to do a class on Mary. And uh, I decided to use Bishop uh, Barron's um, Catholicism series for that one. And we got like a third of the way through uh, because we had to start off with, they started asking me about incense. And then someone asked, what's the largest incensor uh, sensor you've ever right. seen? And I had to do like, what was that? That, that cathedral in Sagrada Spain? Sagrada Familia in Spain. Yeah. Which not is like the size Familia, sorry, of a person. The, uh, say, sorry, not Sagrada Familia. Sorry. Uh, 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 St. Uh, St. James of Compostela, like the, the. Yes. St. James. St. James. So the point is, like, that sensor is as big as a person, and that blew no, their No, bigger mind. than a person. It's like, yeah. it, it takes six guys with shovels of incense. Six guys shovel with shovels for the incense, and they're, like, doing a thing, and it's, it's like, it's and, and, and listen, it makes sense. I mean, you have pilgrims who've been walking for 30 days who probably don't smell great. Yeah, that's true. So you got to really smoke them out. Yep. And it's just, it's a sight to behold. Um, I will actually say, um, liturgically speaking, I find it, I don't understand how that can <laughs> not be distracting. I don't think it's whatever. used like during Mass, my sense is my sense. I don't know. I could I be wrong. Before Mass, who knows? Anyway, who knows? so we had to watch that video. And then I had to tell them like different stories about incense because sometimes I get on a tangent. So we did, did that you ever a watch, lot. Did you ever watch uh, Community? Yes. It's uh, like when du- uh, Professor Duncan takes over the anthropology class and just on YouTube the whole day. Yes, exactly. Anthropology, like RCIA. <laughs> yes, it's, that's what it is. It's great. So uh, so we did that, and then there were questions about why can't um, uh, women be priests? And like just just, just like, really good intense so. questions. Because the church said so is what I said. I said, shut up and know your place. Um, and uh, we moved on. So that didn't take too long. Um, anywho, the other day, this is a few weeks ago. And yes. I, I don't know what the class was on. I think it was on the church, just in general, you know. And somehow we got into the question of uh, in vitro fertilization. Mm-hmm. And that's a tough one. Uh, I think this, the, the, the Catholic teaching on the morality or the immorality of in vitro fertilization is maybe the most difficult teaching, moral teaching to accept right now. Really? I would say it's more difficult to accept than uh, abortion. It's more difficult to accept than... Why? What's the reasoning? What would you say the reasoning is for, for making it difficult? The reasoning is... Okay, so I'll get into that. I need to do a lot of prefacing beforehand. Because okay. we're getting okay. into a very... Sensitive topic. As you know, big topic. Um, because there are certainly uh, children... In, I, would, I would venture to say there are probably children in every CCD program... Um, across America, at least, there's probably at least one or two or more kids who um, came to life through in vitro fertilization, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so this is this is a topic that is truly touching a lot of lives in a profound way. 
also, um, there are a few things more painful for a person to go through than to um, desire to give birth to a child and unable to do so. It's mm-hmm. very painful. It's right. a very heavy cross for families. Right. And, and also, can I add one thing yeah. to your preface? Um, is everything you just said there is people will hear, oh, this is an immoral act. And then they'll see, oh, well, my, what do you mean? Is my kid less of a person? Right. Right. Like, so that can happen easily. And it's, by the way, it's not what the church is saying. Right. Uh, we'll just, it's, it's, it's just, uh, but you can understand that, 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 that's a easy road people go down sometimes. Yes. So, I mean, it's, so that, that's the, that's the big thing. I, I, you know, there were months ago that I was, um, at a, uh, there's a, a men's group that meets on Fridays after uh, 7 a.m. mass at my church. And somehow we got to in vitro stuff. And one guy who's good, holy guy, they're in church all the time. Um, I have a lot of respect for him. And we were having an honest conversation. And he said, I'm sorry. I've got these two nieces or two nephews. I forget what he said. Um, and they're the best thing in the world. And I don't accept this. Um, mm-hmm. And like, it makes sense for him to say that because he loves his family so much, right? So that's what mm-hmm. makes this tough because these are, we're talking about like, it's, it, it, it can't just be a topic that we're talking about, right? right? That's, that's, that's sometimes a danger with any kind of moral theology yeah. um, is that we talk about it as an abstraction, which, you know, mm-hmm. is helpful to do in an academic sense. But you have to be careful when you're doing it on a podcast or mm-hmm. people in front of you. Okay. Yep. Um, so, which is all to say that I, you're, you and I have no intention at all to insult anyone or to, like, like you mentioned, um, human life is good. And if there is a human life, that life is good. You know, this has nothing to do with the children born from this. Um, they are loved by God. So that's that's not the issue. The issue is this moral act. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I tried my, I'm trying my best to, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anything to add before we jump in? Uh, no, actually. Yeah. I'm going to, I have nothing to, you've, you've done a good job. Cool, 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 cool. Hopefully some of that made sense. Um, okay. So, uh, yeah, we gave it away, but in vitro fertilization, so the fertilization uh, of an egg, this this thing that happens outside of the human body, outside of the marital act, is always immoral. Right. It is an immoral act in and of itself. Right. Um, before we get to the actual act itself, I think it's it's a little bit easier to see some of the things surrounding it as immoral. Right. So a lot of times in order. To, oh, and we're going to be talking about reproduction here. So if you haven't figured that out yet. And uh, kids are still listening who shouldn't be, then then Been tell them to go away or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, okay. So um, a lot of times, most of the time, that uh, the semen is taken from masturbation. So there is an immoral act there in the process. Another thing, and this is this is an incredibly uh, technology has created moral dilemmas that are incredibly difficult. Um, and things that, you know, I, you, you almost wish you could bring a Thomas Aquinas or some other theologian into the present time to tackle some of this stuff. Because, mm-hmm. for example, a lot of times that there are, there are multiple um, fertilized embryos, uh, 
human life that are frozen and mm-hmm. saved for later or passed on to research. Um, a lot of times that also, so like what do you do with those souls? Uh, mm-hmm. They're also um, in the process, sometimes multiple fertilized eggs uh, are implanted at the same time. And then there is a selection process because you don't want to have five kids at once. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's basically the termination of human life. Mm-hmm. So all that stuff, I think it's easy to see that stuff as problematic, at the very least immoral, you know. But let's say perfect scenario with in vitro. Um, one egg fertilized, one egg implanted. Um, everything is, is, is smooth as far as that goes. The difficult thing to accept is that that action still is immoral. And so part of this can be also part of this can be discussion because I've been reading some articles and stuff about this uh, to brush up on it. And you know how um, with Humanae Vitae, uh, the Pope made yep. the right call as far as morality, but it, right. it the, the theology needed a little bit more oomph behind it. And that's how you got theology of the body. Yeah. I think this is kind of the same thing. Okay. Um, can you, can you explain? Cause like, okay. uh, so yeah. I, I mean, I know my stuff a little bit on this stuff, but I have not, uh, uh, partly because my, <laughs> my diocese is, uh, generally I find much older because yeah. of retirement capital Canada. So these are not questions I often have to worry about in terms of people worrying about and doing these things here because uh, I have I have other moral issues to worry about like exactly <laughs> okay um also it's it's getting late I'm a little bit tired but we've we've, yeah. we've started so we can't stop okay um the unitive and procreative aspects of sexual intercourse can never licitly be separated they can be separated, right. but never right. morally. It's always right. wrong to separate them, right? Yep. So contraception, if you're not open to life, you are separating the reproductive aspect and the unitive aspect of mm-hmm. intercourse, right? Um, it becomes, in that case, basically um, a two people using each other for gratification and a removal of God from the process. Right. Uh, there still can be an. I mean, on the people's. Um, uh, oh, my computer's being stupid. There still may be the genuine attempt to show affection, but by the very like, so people might not be trying to do an evil thing. May in some instance, and probably a lot of instances, trying to be doing a loving act for the good of the relationship. But because of the nature of the act itself, it's always going to end up being this. Uh, selfish act that's pointed more toward the self than towards the other. It can never mm-hmm. be tr- a truly loving act in that case. Okay, when there's contraception, it just, it just can't. Mm-hmm. Okay. The same thing goes with removing the reproductive act from the unitive part, which is something that you don't think about very often because most of the time the temptation is just to have sex. Like that's mm-hmm. like the kind of normal human temptation. Um, and that's what makes this more difficult as well. Like the desire to have a child is a good and normal and healthy desire. Why is it wrong to have the procreative act outside of the marital uh, act? I think what it comes down to is a few things. 
that essentially it turns a human being into a product. The human being is no longer begotten, no longer gifted. The human being is made and made in a certain sense apart from God's design. Right. Um, there is an almost commodification of the human being, mm -hmm. which is, once again, not maybe the obvious intent, but that is what's happening. And so there's the attitude. And like I said, this is tough. I'm not saying people are like, I'm saying this is obviously difficult, okay? That there is no right. A human being has no right to a child. There is a feeling that because life is so good, and it is, um, and often some in our culture, um, there is a hesitation around bringing life into the world, that there can be a feeling that uh, to have a child is a right, is this thing that I should have. And even in that attitude, as subtle as it may be, there is a commodification of a human being and a removal of God from the process. There's not an acceptance, um, not treating life as a gift, but as something that you deserve and therefore can grasp for yourself. Hmm. Yeah, I don't disagree. But unless you're like someone who studies theology or moral philosophy, I can I can see people's eyes glazing over I the way know. we're talking about it. Right? That's what makes it tough. That's what I'm trying to. And, I know, and it's not you. It's not your fault. You know, it's not your fault. Right. It's not your fault. I think it betrays, or, or sorry, not betray. It reveals mm -hmm. uh, the deeper aspect of things. Uh, Yeah, I there's like ten problems in my head that that seem to be um, deeply rooted in all this. First, it is the prior. So you talked about this notion of making over gifting, and I think that's a really important one. It's the it's the kind of development of in the lot like rats you call it. Take a drink. No, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, he'll talk. He'll talk about the development uh, through uh, Italian philosopher by the name of Vico. Of, of homo faber, right? Like this, this the, uh, man is no longer wisdom. He's no longer someone who receives being, but now makes being, right? And that this kind of gets exacerbated over time. This kind of finds its 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 culmination in many ways in, in a lot of Marxist thought where uh, your happiness is is built by you for a future that you don't may, may not even be able to grasp or understand right now. Um, it's also rooted in a materialistic vision of the world um, whereby... I, in order to like, I need these things. I want these things um, because the body says I, I should. Like, it's also very natural. Like, this is the thing. Mm -hmm. I, I, the only thing I like hesitate with that you said is like this right thing. I don't. I, I don't. I don't know if that's the case. It may be like an implication of the desire or like how people go about it. I don't know if people would say, "Well, it's my right to a child to have a child, whichever way I want." Um, I don't know. Maybe I could be wrong there. Uh, again, not yeah. something I encounter well, a lot. Let's, let's uh, pause um, on that for a second, though, because okay. I, I do want to talk. So some of the stuff I think is, is yeah. Okay, yeah. So someone said, okay, so if I um, am shot in the leg, should I then not repair my leg? And they see this infertility thing in the same sort of way. Right, yeah, yeah. That, that's going to be one of my next points. 
which on some level that seems to make sense because this yeah. is something that is a defect in the human being, right? It's right. it's um, something's not working that should be working. Why is correcting it not the same as correcting any other kind of illness? Because I think that but there's a different. There's also a, a formal difference between those two problems. Right. Right. The shot in the leg is something to uh, repair and to cease, you know, like you from dying or something like that. Right. A, this is not a threat to life necessarily. But the second thing is, this isn't reparative. <laughs> this isn't healing. This isn't a healing act. This is not making on either the male or female side them more capable of bearing life. It's, right. Right. This is actually so. It's actually they're formally different actions. But so this is. But this is. I think the problem. So like well, hold on, the way we're talking, it can be easy uh, to miss what you just said. So sorry. I'm going to read for you. So the act of in vitro fertilization is neither repairing any sort of physical difficulty in the in the man or the woman. It's a separate thing. Yeah. Um, then uh, so like uh, the church does does support any sort of thing like to help reproductive health. If there are things mm -hmm. that can be done to help repair the individual's bodies, that sort of thing, um, and mm -hmm. which which we should also mention that a lot of times working um, to help um, fertility that itself is a very difficult cross for couples to bear mm -hmm. um, on multiple levels: psychological, spiritual, physical. Um, so to put that out there as well. Okay, sorry to interrupt you, but go ahead. Um, but I think. Listen, I can I can go into all the different like philosophical and theological movements that are underlying why we have a hard time internalizing this truth. Sure. I think at the crux of it is our the way we think morally now is not in accord with nature, but in accord with function. This is our moral framework now. I I can if I can fix it. That's morally, if I can fix the, the issue, whether it's reparative to myself, great, or I can, I can create a new way to get what I want without it having to, without uh, the natural act. They are, for most people, that's their, that's their category of moral formation. And that's, their, that's the category of how they think about the world. If I can fix it, it's good, regardless of the means to fixing the problem. Hmm. That is obviously, you know, the, the ends are justifying the means, essentially. Um, or, um, or sorry, the means are justifying the ends, I should say. Sorry. In in the fix, whatever. Anyway, sorry, okay. brain broken right now. <laughs> People know what I mean. Anyways, yeah. uh, uh, I think that's the crux of this. This is, the church speaks of a very different moral language. Like, like we're, it's like we're speaking Chinese to a bunch of English speakers. Mm-hmm. And that's that is a hard translation problem because you're not even speaking with the same alphabet, you know, or the yeah. same grammatical structure or symbolic underpinning of a language. It, it, it's it's like it, it's alien speak for most Catholics who who are trying who are, who live in the world because we've done a lousy job of forming them according to the Catholic way of thinking. At the same time, I think the way we've done a lot of moral theology at times, like so, this is. Um, this was I was rereading a letter by Pope Meredith Benedict the other day, obviously, and uh, <laughs> um, he talks about how after the council there was a real push to really develop a, a purely biblical moral theology, and it didn't it failed because um, the Bible does not address in vitro fertilization, right? Like stuff like this, like it's it's not addressing new moral realities. 
it's not wrong to I think for me it's like it's not a biblical, it's a Christological or Christocentric form of moral teaching, which implies the doctrine of creation. It implies God, it implies God's intervention in the world, it implies a properly rooted anthropology, uh, et cetera, uh, uh, which then implies a, a, a healthy vision of of what it means to be body, soul, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it also it gives you that flexibility to deal with different moral foundations. I, I think this is essentially what John Paul II is trying to do with his theology of the body. Right. Um, he's he's he's. I mean, he starts with Jesus's words for a reason. <laughs> um, but there's another handicap with all this in that the way we just are taught to. Th- think is so functionalist like we're just we're, we are functionalist to the core it's like our spirit today is 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 functionalism i don't i don't I, is there a way to speak that language without falling into that argument i don't think so yeah. uh, like so this is like i think like for me that's actually the crux i actually don't i actually don't think for a lot of catholics at times like for some of them it's just like well the church says so i'm fine with this Sure, for and, and I get that. Is, is, and is, is, what was that? But then on the flip side, mm-hmm. you have the non-Catholics who don't think our way at all. They don't have right. our form of life, and they violently oppose it because they can't think this way at all. Or Catholics who haven't been formed in Catholic thought and morality. Same, they're in the same boat. And and then finally, they and I think this is where the rubber hits the road for us. We have done. It kind of lousy job translating this, and and yet also challenging people to think with the mind of Christ. Because, I think a lot of this works if we can actually kind of root this Christologically and Christocentrically in the family, in the home, in the church, and everything to make yeah. Christ really truly center of everything. Because until then, this is all gobbledygook for everyone, and and yeah. the problem's not going to go away. And like I, I, you know, I keep I keep on thinking to myself like I, I think we're almost like spinning our wheels. Because we're not actually we're not asking the deeper questions. Like for me, it's like it's almost like symptomatic of something worse, in yeah. a way. Yeah, and and also like we're just not talking about it. Because w- yeah. when do you bring this up, right? Um, Never. Yeah. So, but I think I think you're getting to a few things. One, I want to make it. Uh, I think it should be apparent from our uh, it, uh, it should be apparent from our conversation that if you struggle with the teaching of the immorality of in vitro fertilization. That's an under, that's an understandable thing to exactly. deeply struggle with. Yeah, you're not yeah. a bad person because you struggle with this thing. Um, it's it's much more complicated uh, than other seemingly more cut and dry moral issues. So yeah. it's normal to like bulk at this if you've never heard it before, especially if you've never heard it before, right? So right, right. you it's and it's also important to say it's okay to struggle with church teaching. That doesn't mean you you stop oh, yeah. going to the Eucharist or anything like that. You, right. it, this is... I always say to people, is there, are you open to the what the church has to say? Like, with right. stuff as long like, as you're like, not going to shut off the church. Yeah. yeah. Then you're gonna this go is what I told the RCIA people. Because one of the, the young people there was, you know, seemed very worried about this because wants to be Catholic, but it's like, I don't get this yet. Uh, can I still keep going? I'm like, yes, you absolutely can. As long as you don't go running around with a big sign saying the church is wrong... And you don't start a podcast about the wrongness of the church. If it's something you are struggling with honestly, and you at least have a door open to what the church is saying, then that's a part of the process of growing in faith. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, I mean, that happens with all kinds of things. 
Mm-hmm. So that's okay. That happens in the life of a, of a normal Catholic with stuff like maybe it's a devotion to the saints or whatever other Catholic thing that people don't get. Okay, so that's fine. Um, there is another argument that kept popping up that I don't understand. I okay. I'm, I get the um, okay. Oh, okay, before I get to that, I think it's um. With stuff like this, I think also with, um, to a lesser extent, with some of the gender ideology and difficulties, and I think certainly with um, sexual attraction, uh, I think it's not only, it's not just difficult to speak about these things without deep relationship with Christ. I think it's actually wrong, too, because... Mm -hmm. There's a step that we're not going to get to tonight, uh, or sorry, today, or whenever you listen to this podcast, which is like, um, I'm struggling with fertility, and the church says I can't do it in vitro, and I want to be loyal to the church, and this is difficult. Or, you yeah. know, I, I made the choice for in vitro, and I have these like beautiful, wonderful children in my life. Um, wh- what now? The what now can only come from a deep relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah, and I would say also a good relationship with your local pastor. Sure, but that's with, part you know? of how you. Yeah, exactly, you know, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Encounter the Lord, right? Okay. Yeah, we can't we can't address every particular. It's impossible. Right, right, right. Okay, so so yeah. there there is there is that, uh, but I think this is so. I think so. That's one thing. I think it's difficult. This is very difficult to do without Christ. And I think um, a lot of times when it comes to morality or understanding anything in the church in general, there are two aspects that are needed. One, I think the intellectual. Um, side of things, the arguments, the reasoning, that's very important, I think, especially to remove roadblocks. Um, But I think what really leads us to acquiescence and acceptance of the truth uh, is conversion, which is more than just a more, uh, more than just an intellectual understanding. Okay, which means it's gonna take time. Mm -hmm. I just want to talk about one argument that I do not understand, and this kept coming up. in various articles I was reading about this, and they all came up with this thing, that children have a right to be born out of the loving act of sexual intercourse. Mm-hmm. And to have them born outside of that is somehow, uh, or have them be created because they're born you know, the normal way. Um, that I don't quite get. What's what's the hang up? Um, you know, uh, I think the, the 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 obvious hang up is when I think about my own dignity as a person. Um, th- uh, my first thoughts don't go to what my mom and dad were doing thirty three years ago. Yeah. Okay. And I think that's probably. I think probably a lot of people will probably think uh, that would be the common objections to this like why does that matter i and this well, is another I would thing actually what makes say, it difficult I mean, yeah sorry go ahead is that you know how does a person okay so how that kind of oversimplification though i think it, there's some legitimacy to it aside um how what it, it seems to imply that there is a damage done to the human being who was conceived in vitro 
right? What is so? I think here's the question because I I, or I, I injustice think, done maybe not so, damage but injustice of sort. When I was talking earlier about like materialism and and like we 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 do we are kind of we are excessively technological, and by this I don't mean that technology is bad. It's that we don't an ethos is not is not developing in line with the technology. We're just doing it because we can't, you know, it's the Jurassic Park thing. We never, we always asked if we could, we never asked if we should. Yes, um, I have been thinking about right? that as I've been reading. And it's actually, things. I mean, it's a great quote. It's, it, it it's, uh, it, it gets to the heart of, of, of Catholic things here. And I think it's good that you're wrestling with this because I think it also, it's also good for the listeners to hear that because you're like, okay, you're not you're not you're showing them they're not alone in all this that you're just mm-hmm. trying to understand this so i think this is the question is what is life and how is it how is it generated etc and and if if is a child possibly not losing something by not being born biologically and conceived biologically does the, like we don't know? I mean, again, it's not to say that kids are screwed up or anything like that from from all this, mm-hmm. but like a um, well, no, because like I actually saw something the other day that they're getting to a point where they might be able to be able to to um, grow children outside of a womb. Yeah, so on the internet too, which is I was just like, oh my horrifying. gosh, it's, it's horrifying. Hard, like so, these are that's the thing. Well, don't those children have a right to? But this is the thing. I think the church yeah. would say that is actually worse than it would not be okay with in vitro either. But it's to say right. like that would actually be worse like than this because plus, you're actually yeah. removing something even more from the child. There is something to the act itself that gives life because the act is the source of life. This is, I think, because oddly enough, and I think this is what, like, when I say that it's overly technological or our, our culture in that we have. It's weird, and I know this is going to sound almost crazy to people. We're incredibly, I we're we're incredibly rooted in idealism. We are we are body haters at the core of it in modernity, uh, really and truly. We actually are actually at the heart of the church's position is an honoring and a lifting up of the body as essential in the process of creating life, mm-hmm. uh, and that life itself is most itself. At least it, it's. Not most is not the right word there, but life is properly created through in a bodily way, and that, that and if if that life comes bodily, and I think this is the this is the logic behind that argument, because life comes bodily, a child has a right to have life in the way it's supposed to have it, mm-hmm. essentially, and so. Oddly enough, and this, is sound, this would sound crazy to a modern person, the church is actually lifting up the body more than modernity does. Because we're saying, oh, well, no, no. The technological, this like this, we can abstract it. This is the thing. Technology is all about abstracting things from their the localized situation. And 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 that's I think that's part of being human. But when it when it gets divorced from the body, you actually are doing something that is not in according to the life. Life is bios. <laughs> And to do something non-bios to bring about life is actually not bringing about life in the biological way. Okay, so... So I think that's why they would say that. Yeah. That's my guess, yeah. at least. I, like, okay, there's something about that. So my difficulty with with, with that thing that um, uh, there is some injustice done to the child. The child has a right to be born through 
the ordinary sexual act, right? Um, something about that rings true to me, but to explain that, like when I yeah. see, you know, this, this will happen sometimes when you see someone explaining something about the Catholic faith and you're like, oh no, you're right, but I wouldn't say that. Don't start with that. That seems like a bad way to start an explanation, right? It, that's what's kind of hitting me. But I think right. I think what you're getting to as far as like, and this is what's so tough. Um, it's, uh, you know, is, does a fish think it's wet? Like, it, it, there we are living in, it's very yeah, hard yeah, for us to yeah, yeah, extract yeah. ourselves from the air that we breathe culturally, this is, intellectually, this, this right? Is, this is, yeah, this is the point I've been trying to kind of make. Right, right. And so I'm going to just, Say it in yeah. my own words that what you said because I think Please I think do. you you have gotten to the point of it that life itself is something technological in our minds. Yes, like down to the very parts of the body, right? Yep. The heart is a pump. It's mechanistic. Um, it's it's mechanical. Yeah, the, the mechanical. heart's a pump. Bones are um, scaffolding. Uh, like just and there's some usefulness um, in that thinking, but it, it it overtakes everything where there is no mystery reverence to the mystery of life that right. life is not is more than is and is more than um just a fertilized egg a fertilized yeah. egg isn't just a fertilized egg yeah um uh, that a a life is more than just brain synapses firing right that we don't have rights over life yeah. We are not the masters of it. That it is something that's exactly. profoundly beyond our control and is meant to be. And as yeah. soon as we try to be able to tweak it, fix it, even with good intentions, we have reached for the forbidden fruit. We're trying to take away from what is God's and make it ourselves. Because, yep. and okay, so I think that's the crux of it. And that's kind of a hard thing to. You can't do that in a question question and answer session no, you can't. at your at your parish, right? That's what I mean, makes that's some what of I would say, so say this is a good question. We're going to hold this for for a bit. If it's something that's really because uh, when I like when I talk about RCA stuff for example with people, yeah. there is a there is a synthetic vision of Catholic of of Catholicism and its reality. Right. So you can't just say and I think we still fall into this trap uh, of a kind of old school. We can just talk about this truth. We give all its reasons for it. Yeah. Disconnected from the whole. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was trying to get at earlier, but there's like Christocentric vision of everything mm -hmm. because it really is the, it's the centerpiece and the uniter of the whole, of the whole bit. So if you haven't sufficiently talked about Christ, the church, um, the old Testament, what it means to be human, you're not in the space to receive this yet, essentially. Yeah. Right. And does that sound like a lot of work? Yep. Because, well, guess what? We actually have to do a lot of work to catechize and form people in the church today. Why are people going off to all these weird, crazy things on the internet all the time? Because we have done a lousy job of actually forming people how to think. Because you have to, like, it's putting on the mind of Christ. That's what it's faith becoming, is. It's, it's part of becoming a new creation. Yes, exactly. Like the the new creation thing is is not just our souls ontologically through baptism. It's our minds, our thought processes have uh, put on the mind of Christ. Or I'm mm -hmm. misquoting scripture, but have the mind of Christ. Yeah. It's this whole. Uh, it's a different way of life, and I think it's going to. So, 
and it's not it's been... not anti-rational i'd say it's always like super no. rational yes right? it, it takes these reasonable things but it says no there's a it, it, it's i was reading something yesterday where he's talking about faith is a participation in like god's light right or or uh i love benedict's definition faith is a sharing in jesus's vision of reality Mm-hmm. Right, and that's it. You're putting on the you're putting on the glasses of Jesus essentially to see things <laughs> through His eyes. Yeah. You know, putting on the 3D goggles or whatever the the what the Oculus, so you can see Oculus, things through Jesus' uh, eyes. The now, Oculus right? of, the of Christ. Yeah. Well, the Oculus of Christ sounds actually like a really cool thing. Uh, it does. <laughs> but you know, um, it, it's and it's allowing that to imbue yourself. But if you're if you're if you're jumping ahead too quickly, you actually you're it's like teaching a, a four year old calculus. They're gonna fear math for the rest of our life if you go too quick. Yeah, and it's right? not the and, and it's, that's not a um, a judgment on 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 our part, right? Um, right. Like in this in this analogy, the four year old's supposed to be a four year old. Like exactly. I'm not like for my class. Like I will. So you know, end of the story. What I did was we did our best to talk about this. I gave the official church teaching, but I said this isn't something we're going to solve or get in a half hour of our RCIA class, and that's okay. So, but yeah, here's the beginning. So here's, I think there's a few things with this, right? So yeah. why are we asking these questions? Cause they're interesting to us and this is good and this is fine. Mm-hmm. I often will cut people off and say, that's actually not the question for now. Mm-hmm. And they're like, look at me all weird. Why? Because I'm like, we are, we are, we are formed technologically to get the answer right away. That's true too. Uh, but mm. it's always an, when you go Google something, you're, you are often seeking knowledge, I would call in a very limited way, like very limited, disconnected because fr- truth is not fact. And this is, I mean, everyone thinks, oh, you're, you've won 30 times on Jeopardy. You're so smart. No, you just know a lot of facts. Yeah. Like, what do you freaking do? You know, I don't care. That's not smart. That's not wisdom. That's not the whole. That's just these particulars. Fine. Great. You're, 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 um, you're cunning, maybe, but, mm-hmm. but, Smart, not necessarily. You know, there's no wisdom there. We are so trained, though, to just get the fact right away, and that that we don't actually want the truth, the, the particular truth, connected to the whole truth, and we don't want to do the waiting and the patience and the purifying that the truth, the capital T, requires of us. And thus, because of that, we get obsessed with these different things. We don't even realize we're doing it when we're asking all these questions, realizing we're actually not opening ourselves up to the truth. Like, I almost feel like going forward now with stuff like RCA, you want to say to people, this is how we're going to do it. And you're going to have these questions along the way. Great. That's, that's great. And, and listen, there's going to be times and places for that. But my suggestion to you is hold off. Wait, like RCA, like, like something like this, I'd say, wait till like March or something like that before you even start asking this question personally. Mm-hmm. We're not there yet. You're not, yeah. You're not formed in the. You haven't let the light deepen in you enough yet to 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 see clearly, because like you said, we don't realize we're we're not like fish. We don't realize we're wet. Uh, we don't. We haven't been able to to see through the muck yet to see differently. And, and until you can do that, this isn't going to make sense. At the same time, we need to do a better job. How do you explain morality in such a way? Does it doesn't sound like some dry, ossified, manualist yeah. g- garbage? And I don't know if there is a way all the time. But we have to think about that ourselves. Yeah. No, I think that's good. Um, yeah, because as soon as you talked about the the um, technological, like, there's a part of me that loves giving an answer right away. Mm-hmm. Because 
if I give them an answer, that means they can keep going forward and then everything will be good because I fixed their brains with an answer. That's a temptation as a, as a mm-hmm. teacher that I have that I'd never thought about. And now mm-hmm. I'm going to have to go pray about Thanks a bunch. Um, no, but seriously. That's actually, and I have the same temptation too. Yeah. Because um, that's what we like to do. Uh, it's, it, but right. teaching is more than just giving answers. It's introducing someone to the truth who is a person. And that's more complicated than a... Yeah. I'm going to throw, I'm going to throw a technical phrase. The, the object determines or the content determines the form in this case. What is the content or object here? Christ. Yeah. And so his form has to determine our form of thinking. So by that, I mean that who he is requires a grand openness to receive and be purified and changed by him first in order to see all the particular truths down to the minutiae through the lens of him. Mm -hmm. Yes. Good. All right, so that was good. We did go longer, which I expected. I'm gonna I'm gonna end with with two fun things that. Okay. Uh, so one of uh, the RCIA peoples, great lady, uh, her son, who she wants to eventually bring into the church as well, uh, who's open to it. One of her sons. Um, anyway, they were at the rite of welcoming, and like this is a kid who hasn't like been inside of a lot of Catholic churches, right? Uh, and um, he was kind of he was staring at our statue of the Pieta. And mom noticed him staring at the statue. And uh, she goes, doesn't Mary look so sad? And he goes, yeah, but Jesus doesn't look too hot either. Like, what's... <laughs> Which I thought was hilarious. Uh, <laughs> like, they, they both look kind of sad, mom. And then finally, uh, friends of mine, uh, you know, teaching kids to pray is, is a difficult uh, thing. Um, but the kids do their best. And so this, this, this very young lady... Uh, in leading prayer for her family, said, Holy Mary, Mother of God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. So that's that's the true <laughs> Catholic project, right? Americanism is a heresy. and Catholicism and squishing them together into one <laughs> prayer. That's hilarious. There you go. Awesome. There you go. Uh, anyway, kids are silly. Um, thanks, thanks. And it, like I said, if this is a difficult thing for you, that's, you know, normal. So... Cool. And I would say, like, I, I would say, like, yeah. there's probably some, especially because I think where it really hits home is probably for women, obviously. Uh, yeah. And yeah. we have to recognize, like, <laughs> I don't have that experience, obviously, for a variety mm-hmm. of reasons, and you don't either. So there may be other women who who have wrestled with this, come to accept what the church says, who can be a great friend and guide in this, which I would highly always recommend. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, please leave a review on iTunes and tell your friends about the podcast. Tell your enemies too, because Jesus says we must love our enemies. You can find me looking for looking for some scotch. I need some scotch after that episode. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at fr harrison. Uh, contact the podcast and receive updates at Clerical Pod on Twitter. Find us on Facebook, YouTube, or email us at clericallyspeaking at gmail.com. Do you have a theological emergency? One that you've been thinking about, but you've been too nervous to call? Well, this is this is your sign from God, who has told me to tell you to call 412-912-7995. 412-912-7995. Peace. God bless.